there. Welcome to the Female Empowerment Podcast. My name is Carly, and I'm a big believer in actively bringing about more goodness to our communities. It feels good to know that we're not alone and that someone else out there has experienced the same challenge we're facing now. Whether those challenges are related to business, motherhood, or general life as a woman, this podcast is a platform that I've created to allow women to share their inspirational stories and greatest business tips to help make your day just a little bit better and your life just a little bit easier. Keep listening to learn from our amazing guest of the day and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Hello, welcome back friends. Um, to the Female Empowerment Podcast. Today, we have Laura with us, who is an intuitive eating and LDS life coach. And it's really interesting about how we got together today. I met her at a networking event at the Aspire Her conference. And Laura just has one of those personalities that you're just drawn to. It's just, um, there's so much peace within Laura. And I could feel that she had this message that was so important. And so as I've been getting to know her and follow her and learn more about her business and what she does as an intuitive eating and LDS life coach, I just felt very strongly that she should come and be on the podcast and share her message with all of you. So I'll read a little bit about her. She's a mom of three. She's a firewife. She's born and raised in Arizona, but she currently lives in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Laura helps women ditch diets and find body acceptance through intuitive eating, mindset overhaul, and Christ. She encourages women to stop the war with their body by elevating their body image and come home to yourself. So if any of you were a little put off that um, that it's a Christian angle that we're coming from with intuitive eating, I would encourage you to listen anyways and just think about things framed as turning to your higher power, turning to the universe and energy that you believe in. Um, especially as Laura shares her story, just think about it in terms of what you believe in and how you find peace. Thank you so much for being here, Laura. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I, yeah, just everything I've said is true. I think you just have a piece within you that draws people to you. It's like one of your very special gifts and I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. You're so kind. It, when you were saying that, it, it made me feel really nice and good. Thank you. Do you mind sharing your experience with us that led you to find intuitive eating? Yeah, it's a big story, um, but we could take it kind of the one route of the my depression side or the I've been through eating disorders as well. Um, we could take it one route or the other. Right? Which route would you like me to go? <laughs> um, let's go with depression because I feel like that is one that maybe more people can relate to or it's a topic that we're hearing about a little bit more these days. So we may be okay. able to find more connections that way. Okay. And it really, it, that's kind of where the start was anyway. And then, then they, they went on from there. So yeah, I, um, like she said, I'm a mom of three and I, my son is eight years old right now. And ever since I had my first, my son, I was so excited to have him, but I definitely felt like something was off with me and had definitely had depression. I was not ever 
diagnosed at that time. I didn't get medication. I saw a therapist twice, I think, but I just really pushed through in my first, um, and being young, I got married young, having kids young. Um, it was all really new to me and I wasn't sure. So of course I did level out a little bit more, um, as time went along and I had my second and that's when I finally hit some harder points, realizing I need some more help and, um, being definitely the spirit telling me I need to help myself. And one instance that happened was, um, I was part of a calling in the church that was pretty demanding with young women. And, um, I had this distinct feeling that I need to ask to be less let go. I, my baby was about four months old and I had just done a big, um, event with the girls. We went all the way up to Salt Lake to go to a concert and we didn't even make it in. <laughs> and because you're, it's only if you could do standby. Um, anyway, I was so devastated and the girls, they, I don't think they cared as much for the tune. It was so hard. And then that week later, I was like, this is just a series of a lot of events. I've had to plan a lot of things and I'm not really getting as much help and it's just too much. And I felt it was hard to say yes to myself and say no to that. But I did. And I'm really glad I did because a couple of days later, um, my parents told me they were having a divorce. And, um, you know, I my baby's four months old. There's a lot of drama going on with the family and a divorce. I'm the oldest in my family. So all the siblings are calling me up and it's just drama. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling postpartum depression and it came even harder with circumstances. And so it's the, definitely that pull between two, you know, external, those circumstances that are going on in your life and just in, inside what was going on with me chemically and I definitely have um, a predisposition for depression. Both my parents um, are on, on antidepressants. My, I have a transgender sibling right below me, and she's had depression. And another brother that's ran away from home had depression. So we've had a lot of crazy stuff happen in the family that's really um, had been hard for, for us. And we're more sensitive folks, and we've had depression even just for the chemical that it is in our brain, but I, I, yeah, I had to, um, I had to really swerve into getting some help for myself and I found some medication and I got some more therapy and help and, um, had to deal with the whole drama and it, it eventually we got through, we all got through as a family. It was hard and I had to really set some boundaries but then I had, um, I felt like a couple of years later to have our third and, um, it was, it's, and so the, my first was a boy, then I have a girl. And then this last one of mine is a girl. She's two and a half right now, but we, um, decided to have another and I was starting to feel, I felt like I had definitely figured things out at this point with depression. Okay. I've been on medication for two or three years. I had been seeing a therapist for about six years and I've been slowly really trying to be more assertive with myself on what I need because mom needs help and she can, I can't help anyone if she doesn't. And so, um, I, I started to feel those feelings of 
the postpartum and depression. I, I think I have both just, I think I will, I, this will be my lot in life forever. And even, you know, three years later, I still have pretty difficult depression. So it's just what I go through, but I knew feeling, even when I was in my second trimester feeling some really, um, cause I had weaned off my medication before, but I felt right away. I had no time to waste. I needed to get that medication again when I started feeling it and following that intuition. And the doctor was so nice. Like he just wrote it real quick. He's like, I trust you. You are a mom of two. You're pregnant with your third. You know what you're, you're feeling and it's right. And that was really validating to me and that he didn't question it or cry a ton for me of, are you sure? Like it really is. Okay. And I, it was to go back on my same medication from before. And so the big, the big story all starts though. Um, after about six months after I had my daughter, so I'm still taking the same medication. still trying to give myself what I need, you know, week to week. But, um, I, I like to start off with this particular event. Cause it really came down to this event of me going on a big trip to the Northwest to visit family. So we go and visit my family and my husband's family. My family lives in Washington. His family lives in Oregon. Here in Utah, we just made a big triangle. You know, we're going to take 10 days off, go see everyone and drive back. And that trip was a monster to me. It was just a monstrous trip of trying to take care of the kids and nursing in a new place and on the road. And the kids sleeping in a new, new, new place and they're always up at night and I am around family and there's drama again. And uh, it's, it's so emotionally charged and I found, and I'm always turning in the back seat to help whoever's crying back there and throw some Ritz crackers, whatever. So after, um, after that trip, I came home and I got sick. I got a self inflicted stress inflicted flu for two straight weeks and mastitis on top of that. And it may have been mastitis and then it was a flu, but I think flu and mastitis are about the same. And I've never gotten mastitis before. And I feel so bad for those that do get mastitis on the regular, but now um, I, I was trying to nurse, but I was, I was just bawling because it hurt so bad. And I realized it was because I had so much stress. It's where you really start to see, that your physical body and your emotional state are one. And um, I had this coming to myself in the mirror one night and I'm just on the floor crying and I had a floor length mirror and I just looked at myself thinking, what are you doing? Like something has to change. You're not going to make it with the family. Like I, I really felt like I was going to die and we all know I won't. But I am going to zombie through life if I don't take the reins on myself, on what I need help with. And knowing that now I'm getting to a more serious level of depression. And I came to find out that it really was my medication wasn't working for me. And uh, down the road. So I'll talk about that. But I... I still took my medication and I, I was getting therapy and I, I had this definitely this honeymoon phase awakening and it was beautiful. I'm so glad it happened before COVID happened because um, 
I took about two or three months. I just did whatever I want. <laughs> like I really did. And my husband was so surprised and also worried and kind of frustrated. I was out and about doing everything. Um, of course I had to try and keep a reins on it so that I could still be present enough with my family and nurse and whatever. But, um, I did aerial yoga classes. I hired a hypnotherapist. I did Reiki sessions. I, I bought doTERRA oils. I what I went on a girl's trip and I just tried to just do things for me. I was just very liberal about it at that point. And, um, so that, that was really eye-opening to me. And I, I, I mean, it was just a couple months, but it helped me really understand myself more. And I figured out more and more. And I also came to that point of actually, I'm tired of doing all the fun. I want, I want purpose. So I definitely got to the point where I realized I need to have a purpose. I actually need something that I work towards and I was craving that. And so I decided to go into coaching and I went to the health and life coach coach Institute. Um, well, it's called health coach Institute, but I liked them because they definitely have a, a second um, certification for life coaching. And I've always had a love for health and I also really do love life coaching. So they have that both. And, um, I started the business and then it was really fun and went to school for that online. And then, um, yeah, I, I mean, it still keeps going, but what questions do you have for me right now? (laughs) Um, tell me a little bit about your journey with food and eating that led you into, how did food um, correlate with your depression and like how, when you were able to have that positive experience in that honeymoon phase, um, how was food a part of that? And like, how did that lead into you going into intuitive eating coaching? Oh, for sure. So um, kind of fast forward, um, my depression didn't get better. Um, the next year I did get better for a while. And then that next year, I think COVID hit and me being the emotionally emotional person. And I think there was just a leveling up in the whole world. I feel like, and whatever problems are existing with people was finally having to come out again. And I've definitely had marriage issues, my food issues, like you're mentioning that was now all trying to surface out of me because these are, these are trying times. And, um, I started to have suicidal thoughts and I didn't realize what I was thinking. And, um, I, and that was, um, before, right. It was a few months before COVID started that I started having that and then COVID happened. And then it just, they started coming more and more. And by the summertime I had to go to a psych ward and, um, then they, like I had mentioned before, then they realized my medication wasn't working. And then, um, you know, that whole summer was just survival mode and I was trying so hard to hold on to food as my control and trying to eat as clean as I could. Cause I can fix myself if I eat clean it, and I would blame myself if I had more of a depressed episode or day or panic attack, I'd blame myself and say, it's because I ate the cheeseburger and fries and milkshake last night. What was I thinking? Like, I don't deserve those things. Like I have to, I have to 
my family's on the line. I have to do those things. So I became definitely very orthorexic in that way. And orthorexia means I like to call just kind of the OCD of clean eating. And it really is an established disease now where you, you, it takes over your life and it took over my life. I started to even get to the point where I became raw vegan. I, I wanted to, I wanted to do it all. I wanted to make sure I, I could cure myself. Like it, it makes no sense though. When I think about it now, cause I don't cure myself. God does. And I also am a human. We have to go through this without that. And so the depression kept being fed into that. And I had to go and I just wasn't getting better and better. I was switching medications, trying to figure out which one was going to help me again. And I had to go to a residential treatment center for a month without my family, without my kids. And it was very, very hard, heart-wrenching time and scary and having to be around different people. I grew to love them, of course, but felt very alone and taken away from my family for that long, only because I had to help myself. I was suicidal and so depressed and um, losing grips. And then I found it after I came home that I wasn't still wasn't getting better. I was better than I was, but it was still always lingering. And I still kept trying to do more things with my food. I didn't go to a residential place for the eating disorders yet. That was just to keep me in a place that was helpful for me to stay safe and work on depression. But then the next months later, I realized, okay, I need some help with this eating disorder thing. I didn't even realize I had one until I had another coming to myself of looking in the mirror, praying to God and saying, what is going on? And he made it clear to me and that, and I, I had read the intuitive eating book about three or four years prior thinking, oh, this is so cool. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to take it on yet. I hadn't hit diet rock bottom from what they call it. And, um, I was still just so gripped into the diet culture still. Like I I had become a health and life coach. I still felt like it was a healthy and good thing to lose weight. And in some cases it can be, and there's a whole conversation to that. But first and foremost, when I'm in an unhealthy state to do that, there's doesn't make any sense to, to lose weight in that way. And that's not the first priority. And um, like what you were mentioning before you read the book by Lindsay and Lexi kite more than a body. I just still saw my body as an ornament, you know, it's, but it's not, it's an instrument for good. And, um, my husband is a personal trainer on the side. We would work out together a lot it, as we've been married this past 10 years. And he would say certain things sometimes that would make me sad and make me feel less than, but then he, he's still really kind and sweet to me. And I just would compare myself to him a lot. So that depression is still always, always, always going to be there. And I knew that until I got some help with it. And I went to an eating disorder outpatient clinic here in Utah. So about 15 hours a week, I went over there. So I was still able to be at home. I knew I didn't want to be another outpatient program. And I got help and they taught me about intuitive eating. I read the book, but I was able to really learn more and apply it. And I really felt like this is it. This is what the world needs right now. And I needed it. And it helped me so much. And I I mean, I'm still working through things, but for the most part, depression will be my life. But for the most part, 
this part of nourishing yourself is so intertwined with depression because we're not nourishing ourselves the way that we really need to. That is so interesting. And it's been something that I've been thinking a lot about, about how our, our spirit and our spiritual experience combines with our physical experience and how one thing affects another and how it's also related. And I think mm-hmm. it's a thought that um, seems really abstract these days, and but it's a lot more intuitive than you think. Like it's very natural. It's something that's always been there. And we mm-hmm. just need to get used to thinking that way again. <laughs> Right. Um, We've been veered off the path. It's been, it's hard and it's very, it's normalized. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up the book once more, More Than a Body by Lindsay and Lexi Kite. Um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite are experts. They've done a lot of research in body positivity and I am not even doing them any justice in this introduction. I just want to tell our listeners that if they haven't heard of Lindsay and Lexi Kite or the book More Than a Body, and this is something that they're interested in, is learning how their body is an instrument and not an ornament, and they exist to do more than just to be looked at. Um, Definitely give this book a peek. Their Instagram is Beauty Redefined. Um, I just want to put that in there. This is definitely not sponsored, but I feel like it goes along really well with intuitive eating and what you do, Laura. And so, yeah, just wanted to emphasize that a little bit more. Yeah, it's a beautiful, wonderful book, and they're doing some really good things. I'd say they're definitely leaders in that sphere of really having a voice of let's stop the nonsense. Our bodies are not to be worshipped in this world, and they don't put a Christian or religious focus on it but just as a human focus of why are we worshiping these bodies that we're here to also live life not we're not here to do it all we can to adorn it yes I agree I've learned so much already and I'm still I haven't even finished the book but I've learned so much <laughs> yeah it's really good it's yeah it's it's easier it's easy to listen to I was telling telling Carly earlier it's it's if you listen to it because she has her own voice narrating it and you can hear that power in her voice and I'm really I'm really uh glad that they are doing what they're doing they've been a big part of my journey too and especially now with becoming a coach awesome I'm going to put those links in the show notes as well to have a link to their book and their Instagram and the YouTube TED talk so that Mm -hmm. everyone can see that as well Okay, so going back to how you are helping women overcome some of the same things that you have. So you found intuitive eating um, and that, how did that help you? How did that change things for you? Well, intuitive eating, just to put more of a definition to it, it really is it's, it's very dynamic more than what the words say intuitive eating. Oh, just be intuitive with how you eat, but it's definitely a very dynamic modality of um, taking in your external wisdom plus your internal wisdom and bringing it into what they call your authentic health. This is finally, finally taking all parts into consideration of what makes you feel happy and healthy. 
And intuitively, our bodies are the ones that are the computers and know what to do. And I believe that with this Christian focus, LDS focus, that we're children of God. And he has given us and our bodies, the subconscious to know how to take care of ourselves. And we, as the culture, have told that inner voice, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. I'm going to follow these meal plans. And even because it worked for that person, but, you know, and because you have to lose weight or look a certain way so you can play the part, get the job, whatever it is, get it, get, you know, have a boyfriend. It really is eating as kids do is my short-term answer. I think I was telling you this before, but my long-term answer is that, that it's a, it's a whole modality that involves how we do eat and giving us some guidelines. And there's definitely some nutrition in there, but listening to our hunger and fullness cues and what makes us satisfied and rejecting diet culture is actually principle number one. And there are 10 principles and yeah, all those principles help guide you along and they are to be gone in order, even though it's not something you follow, it's not another diet, but it's helpful to go in that order to help you reconstruct your life after you've had a whole life of dieting this huge thing I think of like a Jenga tower you know you've built it up over these years of maybe doing a keto diet you followed macros maybe a long time ago you did Adkins whatever it is so you've built that foundation but there are those holes in it and you just have to knock it all down and then build on again of what really is true and right in your own feeling and Kids know it. They know when they're full. I sometimes will be like, eat this, eat this, come on, come on. And they're like, I'm full, mom. What are you kidding? I'm not going to eat that for you. <laughs> they know their boundary. It's just over time, we do it so much for our kids. We've done it. People have done it to us. And then we, we go against and kind of go against our own selves in that way. And body dysmorphia doesn't help with it either. Knowing that, thinking that we can, we can, uh, change the way we look but we all are genetically born a certain way and that's okay and it's beautiful um so there's just a lot to it and i i've really never gotten tired of researching it and the the women that um wrote the book evelyn tribal and elise Reich. evelyn is definitely the one that's a little bit more involved with it still they're just the two authors they're dietitians um and there's I know Evelyn's still active on social media, but um, they've just definitely, I think, have gotten even more traction since COVID started. The book is about 25 years old, and it's been, it, it was, rev- it's revolutionary. Um, and it's actually a huge backbone for a lot of eating disorder centers. It wasn't mine. And that doesn't mean you have to be sick enough to be having an eating disorder that you should finally do this because. You don't want to have to get to that point. Intuitive eating is for everyone. And they actually wanted to call it natural eating, but then there is that whole connotation of people eat natural. Like, so they couldn't do that, but it's wonderful. It's for everyone. <laughs> so I'd say definitely if they want to, if anyone that's listening wants to read or listen to that book, it's a really cool book. It has a lot of cool stories in there too, to help you feel like you are that person that feels like they've done all the diets and nothing's working, but it's not. The diets didn't, you didn't fail the diet. The diet failed you. All those diets weren't supposed to be for you anyway. And 
you have to just trash the idea of diets and move on from there on intuitive eating. I'm so surprised that the intuitive eating book has actually been around that long. I had no Mm -hmm. idea because I feel like I've only just started hearing about it recently. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. feel like people have only started talking about it recently, but also um, a lot of things in the world has changed. Like social media is super different. Didn't even exist 25 years ago. So Mm -hmm. how would we, how would we know about the book at the same um, rate that we're talking about it now? Right. That is so interesting. Um, And to sum up, if you don't mind, the difference between intuitive eating and a diet, um, because I had this little red flag where it's like, it's not a diet. And I feel like all diets say it's not a diet. (laughs) Right. But intuitive eating (laughs) is different because diets focus more on the extrinsic factors. You have a plan, people telling you what to do and how to do it exactly. And that you don't rely so much on what your body's telling you. You ignore any signals that your body tells you to follow those plans that are the diets. But intuitive eating coaches you to relearn how to interpret those inner signals, the things that your body tells you, and how to listen to your body (laughs) and follow Mm -hmm. the plan that your own specific body is telling you to follow. Is that right? Did you say it? Okay. Yes, that is, that is totally on it. And it's funny you do say that because within the sphere and conversation that people and I, that also love to talk about intuitive eating, we talk about that phrase. It's a lifestyle. A lot of diets say that it's that they say it's a lifestyle, but it's not, (laughs) it is actually masked to still be a diet. And because you're still always having to go out of your way to make sure you don't eat out here or miss out on this here, even if you want to, or it just doesn't go with your gut feeling or you are stressed out and it's okay to eat emotionally. Sometimes that's, what's cool about intuitive eating. They start to shed a light on actually it's okay to be emotionally. We are emotional creatures and food is an emotional thing. It's, it's if it's a pattern that you're always doing it and they help, there's a principle in there and helping, you know, what's really needing some help underneath that at that point. But, um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's like kids, how they eat the internal external. There's a principle on respecting your body as well. And the very last principle is gentle nutrition. After you've built up all those tools and all that wisdom, and have retrained your body. Cause sometimes even after people have years of dieting, they don't know when they're full. They don't know when they're hungry. Like for me, I, I would make sure I never got hungry. I just eat a little bit. I'd always eat little bits because I just didn't want to feel hungry. But then when I was swinging onto the other side and when I was in my binge days and, um, I, I was a binge eater for about a year. Um, I, I didn't know when I was full either. I just, I just ate and I didn't, I had no idea until I felt sick. And um, I knew I was about to cross that line when I was starting to have thoughts and I was Googling how to make myself purge. My husband caught me doing that. And that's when I knew I really needed some help. And, um, but body dysmorphia, I always feel like it's number one because that's where it comes from as kids. They start, they start to be told they don't look a certain way. And that's when body dysmorphia starts to settle in in our culture. 
And I see it with my daughter right now. She's a little bit, she's a little bit bigger and it's okay. And I'm, I'm just really glad I have figured this out now as a mom. So I can help guard her and guide her because she is the most clever thing you can ever, you can never hear. She's so sweet and clever. And she, um, yeah, I'm, I'm needing, we're needing to help this next generation. And even just us from friends to friends to know that there is this better way, taking the fo- focus off of our bodies. And a lot of that body, the BOPO, the body positivity, it still has a dark side to it. It's because it's still the focus on the bodies and people still will sit and pose and use it as another hashtag, another reason to be able to put their body out there to show that they're worthy, that they're worthy no matter what doesn't need a selfie. So Laura, you offer um, a free like breakthrough session and a coaching session. This is something that you and I have done together actually. And I found it very enlightening (laughs) and insightful. Um, And in that session, you talked a little bit about pillars that you like to make sure are incorporated in what you do that include intuitive eating. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I, I call it just my intuitive eating breakthrough session. And really, when we sit down, we like any coaching sessions do, it's really to create a vision of what you need and want in life and figuring out what it is to get from point A to point B. And, but with my flair of the intuitive eating and definitely for those that, um, and I work, will work with anyone, of course, but I definitely have that um, LDS Christian side to it that I believe those different stepping stones in order to get across that river from point A to point B is the right, is doing the right plan of eating of intuitive eating, which is no plan. It is just following your intuition, but there's a way to learn it and figure that out again. And then mindset overhaul, what I like to call is really working on, like I had mentioned before, that body dysmorphia that has been ingrained in us and it's going to take a very long time to get that out but don't have that scare you because you really i'd like to even say have no choice you have to get that out um that is it's a toxic poison that really is going over all the women right now and that's why i I chose to do it because with my own purpose and meaning and wanting to help others become the best version of themselves, I know that is probably the big, that's the one thing that can make the biggest difference into bringing others to Christ. If you're not spiritual in that way, even just helping you serve your highest, greatest purpose and being self-actualized as you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs would say is that very tippy top corner of that pyramid of as a human, what they can accomplish is really figuring out what's their own unique gift to give to the world. And the thing that's going to, it's getting in the way of that is um, viewing your body as less than and not nourishing it that way. Um, and it really becomes a beautiful thing that it can take care of you and as you honor and respect your body. So those are my three pillars of intuitive eating, that mindset overhaul in Christ. And it's it's really interesting to, it's really, and I guess as you told me kind of follow my thought pattern on it, 
right now. Can I introduce kind of one aspect of mindset overhaul? Absolutely. Yeah. Did I, did I tell you about this in our session together, the fact machine? No. Okay. So if you want to know what simple CBT is, you know, have you ever heard of CBT therapy? Well, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's the very, it's the most popular part of therapy that people use. When you go to therapists, they probably use CBT. Gotcha. That sounds familiar. Okay. (laughs) And so, and, but I think simply, and I like to just keep this, dumb it down to things that make it sound easier for me and my busy mind with all the kids and things. So CBT and coaching, we do that too, is really the fact machine. Think of a little machine. You have a, you have a little input area where you're putting in maybe your little coin and then it's dispensing something at the other side. So think of that little machine. And I like to start off with the phrase, and this is the mindset overhaul we need to overcome is the feeling or the saying, it's not a feeling is I feel fat. So that's that one side you're putting in that quarter. I feel fat. That is a, that's a cognitive distortion. Something's wrong with that thought that doesn't make us feel good. That it isn't actually true. You can't feel fat. The fat isn't a feeling. So I like to have that go inside. Kind of think about it when I coach people. Okay, let's have that bounce around in that machine. And that bouncing around is, I like to say, validating yourself, taking the truth out of it, taking the fault, and then leaving the false part out of it. So you're bouncing out and think, okay, I'm not fat. It's just, I just don't feel happy. I'm just feeling, um, I'm I'm feeling like less than I'm not enough. I, I feel like I ate too much yesterday. So that made me feel fat. Well, I still can't even be made feel fat. If I ate that, it's, it's all what I put to it. So you bounce out around enough in there until you finally get to that phrase that really actually just helps you have something to grapple with. You're not going to ever get anywhere when you just keep saying, I feel fat, but you can actually get somewhere when it comes out. You're actually saying, I feel less than, I don't feel like I am worthy of, of whatever it is coming up. I don't, or just life in general, maybe just put it simply that way. Cause a lot of these things are just physiological. So you really corrected that thought and turn that distortion to something that you really can work in. That's true. Cause you really are feeling that and you, you know what to do with that. And we have something to work on there. So that's, that is mindset overhaul. And we take that from there. And I still have more steps on what we do from there of, I feel less than, okay, how are we going to work on that? And I know more ways getting that, the, the client there, the, the person that is exactly where I was. And I've had people do it to me. And that was where I got this, that frame and model form one of my therapist. And it really helped me visually to see that. So I think that's awesome. That's a really great exercise that we can try out. Um, you've given us a lot of really great information of where we can start. And thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, just letting us have a, a glimpse of your journey and relate to how you feel with how we feel. I really appreciate that. Um, where can the listeners go to learn more from you and connect with you? Um, the show notes below, I guess you'll put there, there I'm going to have a link to, um, to schedule a session with me 
and um, that'll take you to my schedule and it kind of gives you some more info what we do. And I'd love to do that with anyone who wants it. And there's no pressure. I'm here to help and wanting to serve and help just give more light and love to women that really need to know and hear this message because people have given that to me. And um, also, or if you just want to grab my free guide on how to start intuitive eating, sometimes it's hard to really know where to start after you've been in those trenches for so long with dieting or beating up, being your own bully to yourself, honestly, like I, I was too. And just, just some five simple steps that are going to really get you in the right direction. And it's really some fun stuff and just my little download. And then that will have you um, be linked in on the email of getting nuggets and information as I send out newsletters on a weekly basis. Awesome. Great. And we'll put your Instagram handle below. Are you on Facebook as well? I am, but I'm more active on Instagram, but you could definitely follow me each place. Perfect. Okay. We'll make sure we have all of that information there. Thank you again so much for sharing everything that you've shared with us today. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Carly. It's been a pleasure. You're doing some great things with getting these words out there and branding for women. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Female Empowerment Podcast. I truly appreciate you being here, and I would love it if you shared this amazing episode with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at brandingforwomen.com or send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at brandingforwomen. See you next time.